the seventh chapter of Hilfestein Venitten, the laws of a plaintiff and defendant regarding financial claims. Today's Pereh contains eight halachas and deals primarily with the concept of haidoya when a defendant admits, acknowledges a certain debt. Perek Shvi, the seventh chapter, Halacha Aleph. We mentioned in the previous Perek various explanations that a defendant can have for his admission that he owes money. First of all, only if he says that the people that witnessed this statement are witnesses, he says, Atem Eida, you are my witnesses, only then are these witnesses to be believed. If he does not say, Atem Eidai, then he can always claim later on, that I was only fooling, I was only joking. Or he can claim, that I only said I owed the money because I wanted to create an impression that I didn't have any money. This way people won't come to borrow from me, and so on and so forth. But he must make the statement, Atem Eidai. Presently, the Rambam explains that Haidah is similar to Atam Eidai. If the defendant uses an expression saying that I acknowledge, I am made that I owe this money, then it is also considered as if he means his statement seriously and later would not be able to make this claim of Mashate or Yisabai. Halacha Aleph. Hamayde b'fneshnayim sh'yesh l'plaini etz l'mona. The person that admits in front of two other people that he owes a certain person a mana, one hundred. And he tells them in a way of admission. Like he says, I am made, admit before you I owe money. And he does not say it just like a talk. He says that, you know, I owe such a person money. Should he only say it in a way of speech, it's considered like any other statement. He could later say he was fooling around or had some other intention. But if he says, in a way of Haidoya, then Omar Atem even though he didn't explicitly tell them that they are his witnesses. Even if the plaintiff is not there at the time that he makes this admission, it is valid testimony, because if he did not mean it seriously, he wouldn't use this expression of din, And should later on the plaintiff call him to court for repayment, if he says that such, nothing like this ever happened, I never made such a statement, we do not listen to him. And he has to pay based on their testimony. Unlike the, previ- the, the case where he did not say and he did not say as we learned in the previous paddock, he could say because a person does not Remember every detail of what he did. Should it have no halachic importance, he does not necessarily remember it. But over here, since he said it, we do not believe him to say, If there is one witness, instead of two, then he does not pay, he merely takes an oath. As the principle that Amam has given many times is, that if two witnesses would make him pay, then one witness makes him take a shvur since he said it in a way of acknowledgement or admission. Let's say, when the witnesses come, he claims that why is it I said it in front of the witnesses that I admitted it in order to make it look like I didn't have any money. That Not to make it look like I have a lot of money. In this case, Naman Vanish Pahasas. Should he make such a claim, he will be believed. And he takes a rabbinic oath to this effect and is thereafter exempt. 
If, however, at the time that he made his admission, the plaintiff was present, he is not able to claim that he admitted it in order to show people that he is not rich. To this extent, the person would not do to make such an admission in the presence of the plaintiff in order to fool other people. If the plaintiff is not there, we believe that it is plausible he made such a statement for that reason, but not in the presence of the Teveya. This is all speaking about whether he borrowed the money or not. If, however, he claims that he gave the money back, he claims for right there repaid, Naman, he has believed and then takes a rabbinic oath to this effect that he has already paid back. Because once we know that he has already borrowed the money, then the, the witnesses that no longer have anything to say, that he paid back does not contradict the witnesses. Therefore, he is believed with a rabbinic oath. Halacha In the first half of this halacha, the Rambam clarifies the principles he used in the first halacha, and then the second half speaks about writing down a document to the effect that the person admitted he owed the money. Halacha Beis. Anyone that admits he owes money in the presence of two, can no longer claim that he was only fooling around. And if he did it in the presence of witnesses and did it with an expression of Haidoya, acknowledging that he owes the money. And certainly if he admitted in front of three, that two are only witnesses. Three is like admitting in front of a bezdin. We, however, require him to give the money based on his own admission. Because anyone that says it using an expression of admission or heidoya, it is as if he has explicitly said, Atam Eidai, you are my witnesses. However, we do not write a document that he owes this money unless he tells the witnesses write and sign and give this document to the plaintiff. And furthermore, after it is already written and signed before they deliver it to the lender, they must again ask the borrower whether they should give him this document. As the Ramam already explained in the 11th chapter of Al-Khazma and so too, if he makes his admission in court, after the court has sent for him, as will be explained in the next halacha, that after it is determined that it didn't, that it didn't is necessary, they send a messenger to the person to bring him to court to, to explain his claim. So too, here the court is allowed to write. This, however, is only if the court recognizes personally both of these plaintiffs in order that they should not make a conspiracy between themselves in order to have another person responsible to pay money because they could put down in this document another person's name altogether and this would mean later on they will be able to use this document to collect from him. So therefore, only in the case where the judges know the parties involved do they allow such a loan in order to decrease the chance of forgeries. Halacha Gimel a court of three who are themselves sitting in the place which is established for their for their judgment. In other words, it was the regular time for the Bezdin to sit. 
And along came a, a plaintiff and complained before them, And the court then sent a messenger to the defendant, to, and he came and admitted in front of the judges that he owed money. At this point, the judges do write a document and give it to the baldin, to the plaintiff, that he should use this document later on as proof that he is entitled to collect. This, however, is only if the bezdin is in the normal sitting. But if the court was not sitting in its normal time, and they did not send a messenger to bring the defendant, in this case, even if this this plaintiff collected the judges together and sat down three of them and they brought the defendant who admitted in their presence and even if he says that you should be my judges and afterwards the plaintiff comes and tells the judges please write down for me this that he admitted in this case the judges do not write Perhaps they will give him the document, and it will turn out that the plaintiff will come and using this document in order to collect from the defendant. And it could be the defendant already paid back the money. So the defendant doesn't really know that there was a shtara document. He knows that it was a milvabal path. And therefore, once he has some sort of proof that he paid back, then that would be sufficient in his eyes. If, he, if however, the the plaintiff is holding a shtara document, he would be careful to retain that document. And over here he doesn't know. In the beginning of the halacha, it was the time that the judges regularly sit, and everything they do is advertise, and people know what happened. So then we don't have to worry he's going to collect the second time. However, when it was not the regular time of sitting, we have to worry about such an occurrence. However, when does this apply? That you only write the document in such a case is immovable objects. If, however, he admitted, the defendant admitted that he owed land, in this case we are more lenient on the malve, on the, on the, the, the plaintiff. Even if he admitted only in front of two and not three. Even if there was no Kenyan Suda, an official agreement by picking up a, a garment or something of the sort. And the plaintiff did not tell these witnesses, the, 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 the judges in this case, that they should write a document. Nevertheless, they can write and deliver the document into the hands of the plaintiff. Over here we don't have to worry that perhaps they will give the document to this plaintiff and he's going to collect twice for the same debt. Because when we're speaking about land, which land specifically we're dealing with is indicated in the document. Therefore, if he already paid back this land once, he's not going to be able to use the document a second time. Therefore, the limitations regarding writing a document apply only to movable objects and not to land. Because regarding land, it can be specified. Halacha Dalet. Shtar Shayotza. A document regarding the admission of a defendant which was produced by the plaintiff, by the lender. And it was not written in this document that the defendant told us, write and sign and give this document. 
Harezek kosher. It is nevertheless valid even though it doesn't have these things written. Because the presumption is that if the borrower did not say write and sign and give this document, they never would have done such a thing. Let's say how you the document says that such a such a person admitted in front of us the bezdin. So im ein kosev If it does not say explicitly that this bezdin had three, or mention something else which implies that there were three, we worry that the document is invalid because perhaps there were only two. And they made a mistake thinking that the admission in front of two is halachically equivalent to, equivalent to an admission in front of Bezdin. Therefore, if there remains a possibility that there were only two people that, that uh, wrote this document, we do not give it the full law of a, of a loan with a document. For example, if there is a document, and we do not believe the borrower to say Paraiti that he paid back, whereas if there is if there is no document, we would believe him in such a claim. And so too regarding being tayif minimal to take away money from people that bought possessions of the borrower after the transaction took place, should there be a shtara document? In this case, we can collect from others, which is not the case if there is no document, we do not collect. Allah hey. We already explained earlier, apparently referring to earlier in this paddock, as well as the 11th paddock of Hilchus Malva that when one admits or acknowledges a debt in court, or as a result of testimony in court, it is as if this loan was written down in a document, and it has the strength of one written in a document. Therefore, we write down and give a document to that effect to the lender or the one that has owed the money. And it has all the strengths of a loan which was taken out with a document, such as he is not to believe to, be, to say paraiti, and so on, as we mentioned at the end of the previous halacha. However, the Rambam explains now that there is not in every case will we do this. When do we say? that as a result of the testimony in court, we will have the strength of a loan with a document, when he himself did not accept the judgment until he was sent for and brought to court, as we explained in Allah Gimel, the process by which the Bezdin summons him to court. But when there are two people that came themselves to judgment, when one of them claims against the other that you owe me a hundred, and the defendant answers, hey, it's true, I owe you. In such a case that they came of their own accord, regardless of whether the judgments, uh, the judges used an unclear expression, saying that you are required to give to him, and they did not directly tell him to give it, and Bain Shahamru and whether they use even a clear expression, say Tainlay say Tainlay, go and give it to him. The Yatsav and he went out, Baoma Paraiti, and later on he comes back to court and claims that he paid. Now if this had the strength of a document, then he would not be believed to say Paraiti. But over here, since they came of their own accord, Neman he is believed to say that he already paid. 
And he merely takes a rabbinic oath to substantiate that he paid. And therefore, since it does not have the strength of a document along with a document, if the plaintiff comes back to the judges, write down for me that he admitted that he owes money, we do not write it for him. Shema party, because perhaps he already paid. And when he's holding the document, the plaintiff will have the right to say that we don't believe you to say you that you paid. Since he should be believed, we do not therefore write him a document. And so to someone that was required to take a, an oath in court. And he left and later on said that he took the oath. We believe him to the effect that he took the oath, and we do not make him swear to substantiate that he took this oath, because otherwise we could make him take an oath to that effect. There are, in fact, many Roshanim that hold that this applies only to a rabbinic oath. But should he have been required to take an oath of the Torah, then if he did not do it in anyone's presence, we would have to swear to substantiate that he swore, to swear that he took this oath of the Torah. The Rambam, however, over here does not seem to differentiate between a rabbinic and a biblical oath. Let's say, Let's say there are witnesses who testify that they know he did not take an oath. As the commentaries explain, that, for example, that from the time he was in court and required to take the oath, from then until the time he claims he swore, they were constantly with him and would have seen if he picked up a Sefer Torah or, or did an act of swearing. And they say for sure that he did not swear. He is assumed and proven to be dishonest as far as this oath is concerned. And therefore, as far as this one is concerned, he is never ever believed to say that he swore until the plaintiff, his opponent in court, agrees that he swore or until he provides witnesses that Testify that he swore in front of them. Halacha above. Although in previous halachas that Ammam has shown this, the e- equality between the statement of the judges, say v'tein lay, go and give him, as opposed to chayavat alitein lay, a less direct statement that he is only required to give to them, in other words, that they have determined that he must pay, instead of directing him to pay, in this halacha that Ammam will differentiate between the two cases. Two people came to judgment, and one was determined to have to pay the second. And they told the one who has to pay, the judges told him, Go and give him the money, directly telling him that he must give it. He went out, and later on came back, and he said, That I paid it already. However, there are witnesses that testify that he did not pay, that from the time he left court to the time of his claim, they were constantly with him and saw that he never paid. In that case, he is determined to be dishonest as far as this money is concerned, and later on he would not be able to change his claim. If, however, the judges did not say it in such a direct fashion, they merely said that you were required to pay him. They didn't tell him to pay. They just gave him an abstract legal judgment that you were required to pay. And this person came back later and said that he paid. 
And once more, the witnesses testify that he did not pay. In this case, he has not been finally determined to be dishonest, that he is trying to completely escape and evade paying this loan. He is merely trying to stall until the judges will re-examine his case. Because he thinks, from the fact that the judges used such an unclear expression, that they didn't really determine him to be fully guilty. Since they didn't say that you are required to give, only that he's, he's, they didn't direct him to give, they only said he's required. He takes this as that being a sign of their being unsure. Therefore, although he said he paid, he didn't really mean that he's trying to permanently escape payment. He's merely trying to delay until they can perhaps find him innocent. Therefore, if another time he will come back and claim that he paid this money that he was required to give, and this time there are no witnesses to say that he didn't pay. He will be allowed to take a rabbinic oath that he paid and he will be exempt from further payment. Because he was not hochsa confident by his first statement if the judges did not tell him clearly to give the money. Those people that were expert in knowledge in Spain avoided this problem. When a borrower admitted that he had to pay, or if he had to take an oath, and it was determined thusly in Bezdin, Omar lay bethne Bezdin, the opponent would say in front of the court, Hey, you are like Edim, Shaloyifra'ini, or Shaloyishvali, Ela bethne Edim. You should be my witnesses that he is not allowed to repay and he is not allowed to take his oath unless it is in the presence of witnesses. Because normally a person that takes out a loan even in the presence of witnesses need not repay in the presence of witnesses. Here the the, the Kiyadas Besvad realized that he, if there are not people with him constantly he will be able to say he repaid, take a rabbinic oath and be exempt. So therefore they avoid this problem by making a condition on him that he can only repay in the presence of witnesses. Therefore, if he says that he pays, we will not be able to swear by taking a rabbinic oath and get out of payment. He will have to provide the witnesses that he paid. Therefore, they avoided this sort of problem. Halacha Zayin. A person admitted in court that he owes the claimant, the plaintiff, a hundred. Later on, he changed his mind and he says, I remember that I really repaid this loan that I admitted to. And here are the witnesses. This testimony of the witnesses saying that he paid will be effective and therefore we will judge according to their testimony. Why don't we say he is Hochza Kafran? After all, he already says that he owes the money. Why now should we believe him with a new claim that he already paid? He is not contradicting testimony because his testimony says the same as he does he has witnesses saying that he paid he's not like somebody who's saying that he never ever borrowed at first he said he owes and later on changes his mind to say that he never borrowed in the first place this would be contradictory he would be if the first admission had been in court that he that, that he owed the money However, over here, since he just said that he owes the mo- he owed the money, 
He says that he borrowed. And now he still says that he borrowed, but he says that he repaid. He remembered having paid. Therefore, he is not Huxa Kafran, and therefore testimony will be effective in order to keep him from having to pay. Now, the final halach of the parak halacha ches. Yesh latayin bebezdin lachter v'litin taina acheres. It is a permissible for someone who is entering a plea in court to change his mind, withdraw one plea, and make another claim. And even if it contradicts his previous claim. We rely on his last claim even though he did not give any excuse to the first claim. In other words, he has no explanation for why he said the first one. He doesn't need an explanation. He is allowed to change his mind and enter even a contradictory plea. And furthermore, even if in the middle he left Bezdin, he left the court, and later on returned, he is allowed to change his mind and reverse all of his previous claims as much as he wants until witnesses come. However, once there is testimony, and these witnesses contradict the final claim which we were relying on, he is not allowed to change to another claim. Claim. Unless he has some explanation and excuse for the for the earlier claim which we are relying on, and there is an implication, explanation, through his hamasla between the two claims. In other words, we can reconcile how he could have said the first one, and now he said the second one. Once witnesses have come, we must have some explanation for his final claim. Before the witnesses have come, we do not have to reconcile any of his claims. But after they have come, everything must fit. Furthermore, even though he might have an explanation, only if he has not left court in the interim between one claim and another. If, however, he left the court, he is not allowed to change his claims after the witnesses have come. Even if he has an explanation and the new claim might fit perfectly to the old one, nevertheless, he is not able to change his claim if he went out in the middle. Perhaps wicked people have taught him to make false claims, have how he could make another claim and really get out of pain. Therefore, once he has left court in the middle and the witnesses have come, we do not accept any new pleas from him no matter what kind of explanation he may have. So too in all similar cases.